Hello everyone, welcome to this week's edition of On The Ball, a Norwich City podcast from The Athletic. My name is Michael Bailey, I'm The Athletic's Norwich City correspondent. A happy day to you all, I hope you're well. Uh, We're doing something slightly different this week, which I hope you'll enjoy. Uh, Before we all got told to lock down, I went to see Ewan Roberts in a cafe in Norwich to talk about his perfect player for The Athletic. We managed to get in a couple of other chats as well. So here it is. Enjoy. Here's Huckabee. Ewan Roberts. Damien Francis towards Huckabee. Roberts! Fairy tale. Ewan Roberts catching for the day with his 95th goal for Norwich in his final game of the Great. Made by Darren Huckabee. Roberts here. Back on to Francis. It came to Ewan Roberts again. Bang! Well, uh, hello, everyone. I am in the delightful surroundings of Café Nero uh, here in Norwich with um, a certain Norwich City legend, Ewan Roberts. How are you, Ewan? How are you, mate? You all right? Uh, yeah, good, thank you. Strange times. <laughs> Talking about time, it's nice that you're early for the change. Uh, yeah, uh, this was my third strike, wasn't it? If I'd, I don't oh. think you'd have ever spoken to me if I'd been late. You're only 20 minutes late the first time we met. <laughs> In this very seat, so uh, but I've, I think I've bought every coffee since, so uh, I think we're all right. But um, I was on time, which is of course uh, great news. Um, we are we're going to talk about your perfect player and, and have a bit of fun with that in a bit. But um, first of all, I wanted to take you back um, because I'm curious of your memories of this. I've uh, I've written a piece about the 2005 run in for Norwich. It was one of the best runs they've ever produced of form in the Premier League. Um, Ultimately, no one cares about that. All the players, a lot of the players I spoke to who were involved in it, they don't really want to talk about it because it ended with Fulham and it ended with relegation. And it was a, it was a, it was a sad time ultimately. But your name came up because you, of course, were around the club the season before. You helped get the club promoted. And I think some of the guys kind of wish that you and Malky Mackay had still been in the dressing room for that 2004-05 season because they were missing a missing that sort of leadership they had before maybe not because the people who came in couldn't step up but I guess they were kind of used to the way um, you were in, in amongst the group whether it would have any or made a difference to the scoreline I don't know um, one thing is for sure I, I don't think myself or Malky would have would have taken it lying down um, we'd have had things to say we, we might have had one or two players up against the wall by their throats um, <laughs> in, a, in a in a nice way if, if that's even possible uh, you know it just and I, I can remember the, the, the day I didn't go to the game I was planning to go to the game uh, but my son Ben he his team in, in Kent I'd obviously I'd moved to Gillingham um, I was playing for them the season had finished and they'd won their semi-final and their final was at Tunbridge Angels uh, on that Sunday which meant I couldn't go to uh, to Craven Cottage and I was never going to miss um, a cup final that, that Ben was playing um, so of course I had a radio with me listen to, listen to updates and, and what have you and just couldn't believe that the lads sort of turned over and had their bellies tickled and, and got sent back in back to the championship in the manner they did to lose the game the way they did you know no, no player goes out there you know, willingly not going to make an effort, not going to try. That's just not how it works. But I think one or two probably could have done a lot more than than they did. Did Did Tom win his cup final? Ben. A uh, Ben, sorry. You're thinking about Huxley's boy. I am. Yeah, yeah. Did um, Ben win yeah, his cup did. final? Yeah, they did. They did. I think they won four two or something. Thank like goodness. That. Yeah. So See, there was a it was a silver was lining. A silver lining too. Which it and again, people talk about well, it'd been okay because you and 
could have been around the group and he could have just come on for 10 minutes here or there. And yep. <laughs> would you have been happy to have done yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Think? Yeah, Michael, I, I knew at the end of 2004, um, I was going to be 36, coming towards the end of my career. Uh, but if you, if you ask people, I was still fit, I was, I was lean, I'd lost a lot of weight. I'd, kept, I'd managed to keep that weight off. Uh, I mean, you asked Dave Catalan, um, our fitness coach, one of the best fitness coaches I'd, I'd worked under. Um, you know, I, I was fit. I was a fit 36. And I, and I still think I had something to, to offer. And I had something to prove because I'd only had one season in the Premier League before, and, and that was for Leicester. Um, and I wasn't going to start every game. I, I knew that. I'd accepted that. that. That wouldn't have been a problem for me. I'd have been happy sitting in the stand, if I'm honest with you. I just wanted to be part... Of, of Norwich City back in the Premier League. The, the first thing I said when I first signed in in, in 1997 was, I want to try and help get this team back where it belongs. Took seven years, um, never got the opportunity to try and keep them in the Premier League. But I think I would have, I think I would have had an impact coming off the bench or starting the odd game. You know, if we'd have been chasing a game and we needed a goal, you know throw me on I can maybe knock something down for someone or I can I can nick a goal myself because I don't how old you are you don't you don't forget the art of, of scoring goal and the positions that you have to be and the runs you have to make to put the ball in the in the back of the net so I, I'm not saying that we wouldn't have got the club wouldn't have got relegated in 2005 um, but I think I, I could have uh, made a little bit of a difference I think I think did you um did you follow the season at all yeah did you? absolutely you know you, you always follow your former clubs um now the first two I look for is Leicester and Norwich, but back then because I'd only just left Norwich, um, Norwich was always the first club that I uh, I, I looked for. Um, I didn't really have to look for that one because I say I was I was listening to updates, so I, you know, and every five minutes they, they were going back to to Craven Cottage and it was more bad news. Um, and looking back, was it only a point that they? That yeah, it was a point, and, uh, um, and I know the, but I think their goal difference was worse. So I don't, I, I think um, they would have still been relegated. I think. I, I think that's, that's the hard thing for for Norwich fans to take is it just didn't turn up. You know, I didn't turn up, and to get beat in the manner that you did with what's at stake, you know, with you're facing relegation in in in, in the face to not turn up at all and. Uh, that was that was the, the, the sad thing. I um, so I went to my first Norwich game when I was eight, 1989 at Carrow Road, goalless draw, home to Charlton. <laughs> Completely could only get better. It literally took me three games to see a Norwich goal. Um, uh, but um, so I've been going to games since then, and I think the Fulham game, um, if work obviously, but also as a fan, the Fulham game remains the only game I've ever left early. Did you? And you weren't working then? No, no, I was as a fan. Um, it was before I became a journalist. Uh, I was in the home end because they were the only tickets remaining. We were actually living in London at the time, so we got away with that one. Uh, and, and when I say we left early, um, I left with uh, about two minutes to go and it was already 5-0. <laughs> so all I missed was the sixth goal, uh, which I heard scored as we walked down You'd the main stand enough, outside. Yeah, that was enough. enough. Yeah. 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 So I didn't see too much of the crying afterwards, <laughs> but it was a surreal game because Norwich were attacking towards us in the first half and I was convinced they should have had a penalty in the first half. Um, I don't even really remember seeing a replay of it. But, but I mean, I can't sort of remember the, the good run that that you're talking about and, and uh, no I, 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 I can't I spoke to one of the players and they said are you sure I played in, in these and he's like yes you played in all of it bar two minutes so what 
what sort of run was it? So they Norwich over uh, six games. Yeah. So there were seven games to go. to go when they beat Manchester United 2-0. That was the first of the last seven games. Um, they beat Manchester United 2-0. Uh, they then um, they went on to I've got to take 13 points, basically, from those six games. Um, they had two runs of... That's a good tally, isn't it? So 13 points from six games. Um, they've managed 14 from six twice. Um, and four and sixteen from six once in the Premier League, so from ninety two onwards. Um, so that included the ten game unbeaten run under Chris Hutton um, in twenty twelve thirteen. It included when they were in European competition and absolutely flying during that uh, that autumn, and it included the start of the two thousand uh, of the ninety two three season. That included the start of that season when they went eight points clear at Christmas and finished third. So that, that they were the only really comparable runs that they excelled See, and, and, at. You, and you would have thought, having put that run together with seven games to go, they'd done all the hard work. Uh, and it took, it took them from a drift at the bottom by seven points, I think. Seven points drift of safety with seven games to go. They were above the relegation zone um, by a point um, and with a significantly better goal difference with one game to go. I mean, that game could have been any, any other game and, and they may well have survived... And they also gave away a 3-1 lead at Crystal Palace <laughs> and uh, managed to lose a game in the last minute at Southampton, who were the other two teams to be relegated alongside them. So, I mean, it was you just... You talk about momentum. Story. You can't have better momentum going into no. such an important game as no. that. But, but maybe, maybe, to give themselves that chance of, of staying up on the last game, maybe they'd given their all in the previous game. Uh, previous games, do you know what I mean? And mentally and physically, pressure's on... And that can drain, you know, that can drain every ounce of energy that, that you've got. Um, and maybe, maybe their legs had gone because of the effort they put in to give themselves that chance in, in the last game. I'm not making excuses. No, no. I'm just... And that's exactly it. Yeah. And as I said, a lot of people didn't really want to talk to me about it because, like, what's the point? Because <laughs> yeah. it was massive failure, even though it was quite an achievement getting to that point in the, in the end. Um, Norwich have still got nine fixtures, I think, left to play this season once we hopefully get back to action so you know the great escape could still be on uh, you can read the piece it's over at the athletic uh, looking back at the 2005 run-in and the the great escape that could have been but ultimately wasn't but why i'm here uh, with ewan this fine uh, day is to put together ewan roberts your perfect player now um We've done this. I've done this before. We've done it across the athletic. I've done one before um, speaking to John Polston and he put it together. Uh, basically, we have two, four, six, eight headings. And Ewan Roberts takes us through the best player that he either played with, played against or you know, has a really close connection to um, where, and why they were particularly strong at this, at this element. You can read the piece in full over at the athletic. Um, and you'll get a few nice tasters here now from uh, from inside the coffee shop. But um, first up on the list, you are you looking forward to this? I hope I am. I'm, and I've, I've made a decision. I'm going to pick my perfect player from players that I've played with. Oh, good shout! Yeah. I love this because yeah. sometimes coming up against them, it can be yeah, can be a bit uh, of a I think cop it's out. Only fair. <laughs> I've copped out. I mean, I'm not accusing anyone I speak to in in future or in the past of copping out if they suggest them, but. Um, Let's get um, stuck into our first header, shall we, which is heading. Um, now, I mean, you were pretty good at this yourself, so I guess, we're first of all, we're trying to think of a player who was better at this than you. The first memory of, of myself watching someone head a ball 
and thinking, wow, what a what a header of a ball he is was Mark Falco when he joined uh, Watford. Um, I was I was a, a young boy, um, and we. Let's call him Gripper. That was his nickname. Cause Gripper. And he was a lovely fella. Mark Falco was a lovely fella, and I see him about now at, at different events, and, and you know when, when I go to games, and he's there, and he was absolute lovely, lo- lovely man. Um, but yeah, do you remember Gripper Stepson from Grange Hill? No, oh, no, no, not he, he, just about remember Grange he, Hill. He, he was a bit of a bit of a bully, but but Mark was nothing like that. <laughs> well, nothing how like did he that. get the nickname? I don't know. I, I think because I think it's a little bit sarcastic because. He was too nice, if, if <laughs> you, you know what I mean. So they sort of turned it all around that they were going to call him something that he just wasn't. Um, <laughs> but I remember Graham Taylor taking him because he hadn't been playing for Spurs, uh, he hadn't been playing for the reserves at the time, so he, he wasn't match fit. And, and we needed him. Watford needed him in the side. So um, <clears throat> after every session, Graham Taylor would take him, and do some extra work with him, which meant obviously people crossing from left and right. And he's there. Honestly, I've never seen such a and, and he was a big boy, and he could he could leap, he could stay in the air, um, he could hang there, and just the power that he got in his in in his heading ability was absolutely ridiculous. And I just thought then, if I'm half as good as as Mark, then I'll be doing okay. So how old were you when you? Uh, I'd been, been about twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, and, and he'd have been full in his senior career. Yeah, he, you know he'd, he'd been at Spurs for for a long time. He'd, he'd made his name at Spurs. He'd he'd won things with 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 them. Scored so many goals for, for, for Tottenham um, and we felt lucky that he'd signed for Watford but obviously he was coming uh, he might have been in his early 30s maybe um, and because of the way he was because he was such a big boy maybe coming towards and he'd, had, he'd suffered one or two injuries I think that's why he hadn't been playing on a regular basis for, for Tottenham you know, maybe he was thinking he was coming towards the end of his career uh, but whenever he played he was a proper handful proper handful Did, Would you as a younger pro speak to him about heading and get and get tips or, or did, was it more a question of just sort of watching him in um, action and mainly just watching him but it always it always give you little snippets of where to go um, give yourself a bit more room don't don't get drawn into towards the six yard box or because as big men you you'd always or you were always told to, to be at the back post and, and nine times out of ten that's where we would be but they always say you know just give yourself a, that extra second before you go and attack the ball, just in case you arrive there slightly too early. But yeah, just watching him. Even when when he'd make runs to the near post, just the little bits of movement that he had, which gave him that half a yard that, that forwards need, just to get on the end of, uh, of 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 something. He was he was great. He really was. Mark Falco, Gripper, um, Gripper, Gripper, Gripper as your top header. Uh, how about this one? I like this one. Football intelligence, because this is this is this is just as difficult to quantify as, as anything, but. And you were probably in direct position to benefit from someone with great yeah, football intelligence. Yeah, I would say, let me think, let me think, let me think. Even though he wasn't the brightest, wasn't the brightest part. Uh, so I'm not t- talking uh, about general intelligence no, no, no. here. Uh, I've got to go for Craig Bellamy. Um, for such a young boy. And he, and he was a young boy when, when I played with, with Bellas. Um, his football brain was ridiculous. He was like a sponge, Michael. Honestly, mate. He, and he, he was, uh, and you've probably heard this before. He, he would study games. He'd fly from Norwich Airport to watch games in Holland on a regular basis. He just when wa- he was a when, when he was a when teenager, he was a, when he was a player here, yeah. Wow. Uh, he just wanted to learn. And even though he's, he hasn't been given the opportunity yet, 
I think he will make an absolutely magnificent manager. Um, he just he just took information in. He asked questions. Um, he was intelligent on the pitch. You know, his, his football intelligence showed with with the runs that he made, his movement, um, the way he creates space for himself and other players on on on, on the pitch. Um, he'd ask questions and say if you if you have. Have a meeting in in in, in the changing room up, up at Conley or whether you had it at, at Car Road. He'd always have something to say. I ain't got a problem with that. But what he said made sense. Um, you know, some players just like, just like hearing their own voice, um, and it's just like a lot of a lot of hot air coming out. But Bellas, when when Bellas, but even the most experienced boys um, would listen. He, his football brain was absolutely for his age was. Mental. I was going to say we're, we're talking about an eighteen-year-old yeah, boy yeah, at that yeah. point. I think even at even at the, the, the silly age of sixteen, seventeen, he showed that maturity for that part of the game. If you like, he just wanted to learn. He just wanted to learn. He would sit down with Bruce Rioch, uh after training um, and just talk football. Just talk football. Him and Brian Hamilton, they would just. Would he be sort of asking about where to be in a certain position or a certain time in the game? I think a lot of it would be or? about. Him as, as an individual, how how he would how how would he he could improve? Uh, but yeah, about about opposition, about opposition's players. Um, honestly, honestly, he, he just loved getting information in, just get just learning about the game, different formations, different styles, different tactics. Um, he, he was a proper studier of the game. Did you did you first twig that when you trained with him, or, or was it something that when you actually played in a game? Because that connection came quite, quite straight away, didn't it? Pitch, I know, it? I know. I don't mad. even know if you work on something like that because it, I, I guess sometimes. It's, 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 you know, as as it sounds, um, we didn't work on it. We had one connection. We were both Welsh, and we hit it off. Don't get I fell out with him like everybody else. He, proper pain in the rear end. You know, you know what he's like, but. Uh, he could be a great lad, and we just hit it off. We we had that telepathy, if you like, where I knew what he wanted off me, and I and he knew what I wanted off him. I knew where he would be, and vice versa. Could that be as simple as just catching each other's eye I, on I the pitch? Would I you think, even need to do that? I mean, sometimes? it's not as if we. I mean, obviously, we, we we would play together in practice matches and and what, but we wouldn't we wouldn't go after training and and spend an hour um, just me and him. I don't think we even really spoke about our partnership. It just sort of happened, and and it is a hard one to explain. He would come around because we sort of both moved. Because um, when when players used to sign in the in the mid nineties to the late nineties, they always used to move to Dussendale. So he only lived down the road from him. Being a young lad, uh, he was living with his girlfriend Claire, and and she got back to Cardiff, and we'd invite invite him round for tea. And he, Bella's was closer to Ben's at my son's age than me. So he didn't spend all night up on the PlayStation Ben's bedroom playing FIFA. I wouldn't, wouldn't even see him. Um, <laughs> but he was he was a special special talent, special talent. Uh, that's brilliant. Would you would you've ever got him round to uh, to babysit? <laughs> um, to be fair, he had kids at an early age, didn't he? he? Did, yeah. yeah. So he could have bought. I think his, his first one was Ellis. Um, he could have bought little Ellis round, even though little Ellis was a little bit younger than Ben. <laughs> I reckon you probably could have given half of these to Craig Bellamy, but you're only allowed to use him <laughs> once. So, um, how about left foot? 
the best uh, left that's, foot. That's you, quite an easy one, to be fair. I, I, I wonder who you're gonna. Okay, go on, have a guess. Um, no, have no, a guess. no. I've got no. I've got it wrong. I, um, one, one of my options played for Watford, and one I played with for Wales. Um, and to be fair, it's like choosing your favourite child. <laughs> Honestly, you can um, name them both. How, how, Please do. How do you, how do you choose between John Barnes and Ryan Giggs? Ah, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I, I would have to go. I would have to go because I, I've seen him do th- things with his left foot that beggared belief. If I'm honest with you, um, John Barnes. D- uh, people said, "Oh, he didn't didn't have a right foot." He'd, didn't need a right foot really. And Barzi was a big boy, do you know what I mean? He he he, he wasn't built to be a winger, but ugh, you talk about balance, uh, you talk about pace, strength, um, scoring ability, could go past people. Uh, you know, he didn't look quick, but he he was he was he had, he had the biggest eyes I'd I'd ever seen. Um, and yeah, just that left foot, it was glued to him. And to be in front of of Ryan Giggs with the left foot, the gigs he had. Um, Got to be a special player. Would you put either of those down as particularly um, useful crossers? Did you kind of feed off either oh, of those? Oh God, two? yeah, yeah. Um, the closest I came for—I mean, uh, I've got too many regrets in my career. Um, one, maybe that's it. Oh, go on. Um, when I left, oh, when I left Leicester, when I did, um, probably should have. Uh, I sort of maybe I cut my nose off to spite my face. It's a long story. Oh, okay, um, I'll save it for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you again. Um, the other one is I never scored for Wales. Only played 15 times, which 15 caps is 15 caps, I suppose. But I would have loved to have got a few more, but never scored. Um, and the best chance I had, I can't remember. I think we played the mighty Armenia at, at the at the Millennium Stadium. And uh, I can remember the ball coming in from Ryan Giggs, and he just whipped it round. Didn't even beat the right; he just whipped it round with that left foot. That's a great ball. It's one of those as a forward. I can see it leaving his foot, and I've got a big smile on my face, thinking, "Here we go, here we go, <laughs> my first goal for Wales." And I've made a run to the near post, and all I needed was good contact. I'm about four yards out, and I'm sort of thrown the head in it a little bit, which is a, a fatal mistake, and it's sort of come off the side of my head, and. It, it's nearly, it was nearly impossible to do. I've missed at the back post. Like I said, I'm, quite, I'm level with the near, but that's nearly impossible to do. Um, so, yeah, they could both cross a ball. They could both put great ball in. I can't believe you've asked that question, even. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just to get your point of being on un- the end of it. Unfortunately, I didn't play enough games with, with either because I was a young boy when, when Barnsley was at, at Watford and it wasn't long before he left to go to Liverpool. Um, and of course, I, the only time I would have ever played with Giggsy was when when we both played played for Wales. Um, yeah, but both. I can't remember Barnsley setting me up, but I'd say uh, chances to play with him were limited because I was a young boy. You, know, you had Colin West, you had Mark Falco, you had uh, Luther Blissett. So you ain't getting him before that. <laughs> Malcolm Allen, <laughs> Ma- yeah, you know, wow. Ma- Mally was yeah. before me, and I was a young boy. I was still a novice. I was still learning. I mean, what? What were those two like as characters? Because great I'm thinking, lads, great lads. You know, household names. Yeah, great like lads. Said, honestly, John Barnes is off uh, to Liverpool. Ryan Giggs, a, a, a true Manchester United you, legend. You, you couldn't wish for for nicer people, um, nice, nice, nicer men, um, down to earth, do anything for you. Um, and 
because Ryan Giggs, at, at the time I played with him, he was one of the most famous faces in the world. You know, he's won everything with Man U. Uh, he was on a lot of Reebok adverts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, and he used to get, you know, not pestered that strong word. People just used to, used to say, oh, Giggsy, can you sign this? Can you sign that? Fans, every second that we're at the team hotel, we're at training, we're, we're at the game, they just wanted Giggsy's autograph, which is understandable. And my son at the time, um, he was a big Man U fan for his sins. And he had a few things that he uh, he wanted Ryan to sign. And like after the game, we're in the players' bar. I can see Ryan in in the corner with with his family. He's got this massive queue of people, sort of wanting things signed. My new shirts, well shirts, programs, scarves, balls. And he must have been there for about 25 minutes, half an hour, signing these things. And I said, "Oh, come on, but we'll, we'll go and ask him now." And I was dreading asking him because that's all he'd done for. He hadn't even had a chance to speak to his family. I just said, oh, uh, Giggsy, is there any chance you can sign th- these for me, son Ben? He's a massive Man U fan. And he was like, Robbo, no problem. No problem at all. Honestly, mate, he was good as gold. Oh, I love that. Good as gold. I love that. Uh, how about right foot, then? This is a harder one. I, I did, was, you, was there any... Did you, prefer, did you care which side the crosses came from? Did you have a better yeah, side? Yeah, I, I was stronger when they were crossed from the right. Okay. Yeah, I was cr- stronger from... Outswingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, obviously... I th- Depends the angle, uh, I suppose. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, do you know what? I've not even thought about that, but it didn't bother me. In-swingers or out-swingers, it didn't bother me. Because in-swingers, you've only just got to get a little touch on it. Yeah. Um, out-swingers, you've, you've got to sort of try and get as much power. So uh, why the right? Why? Do I wish it's stronger from... Yeah. I don't know why. It's like right hand, left hand. Yeah, yeah. I, I, felt, I felt more confident that I would score when a ball was crossed on the right-hand side rather than the left-hand side. It's a weird thing. Maybe I, maybe you know, when I all those practice sessions I did, yeah. I probably headed more balls from the right hand side. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Nigel Carla had a, had a really, really good right foot, um, he, and he he was a funny lad. Uh, I'm not going to pick him for the funniest. Um, what made he, him funny? He, he, he just he didn't have the shape of a professional footballer. I mean, we used to call him Stumpy because <laughs> that's how he was built. But Cali was a good lad. He was a Watford boy, um, and boy could he cross a ball. Probably when you Gary Mills had a great right foot as well at Leicester. Um, I've got to go with Nigel Callan. I mean Mark Draper when he was at Leicester um, signed for for big money sort of back then. He had a terrific right foot. Steve Thompson had a terrific right foot. You know Mullers at Norwich. You know things that he could do from a set piece with his right foot were were unbelievable. Um, but Cali could he could score from free kicks. He great service into the box. Whether he was running with a ball off, whether it was from a dead ball situation, um, I think I'd have to go with Stumpy. I love that. Was that his his biggest asset then? Yeah, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, don't get me wrong. He, had a, he could go past people. He could. He had good balance. He you know, could drop shoulders. Um, but I think his strength was he didn't need to be a left back. He could just like Beckham really and I'm not comparing him to Beckham but he could just he could like swing that ball around the left back's left shoulder and pinpoint where he wanted it I suppose you have to get used to when they're going to cut you always have to learn when they're going to cross and, and where they're most likely yeah, to put d- it um, as soon as uh, I think as a forward as soon as, uh, as their head goes down and that right foot starts going back I think you've got to make a run whether he crosses it then it's not your fault then you've got to think right get back out 
to sort of come back in. But you know, I would say that eight times out of ten, when I saw Callie's head going down, I knew I knew that ball was coming in. I bet it's very frustrating when a player does that, and then you never quite it know is, when the is, cross is going to come is, in. It is because you could be there five, six times checking in and out, and it does infuriate centre forwards. Um, <laughs> but you know that at the end of the day, they will. Uh, there's every chance that they might create you a goal. How about Engine, who ran themselves into the ground? Um, I've got two. I've got two. Or ag- not? <laughs> I've got. I've got two again. Um, one has to be Gary Holt. Um, well, he called him three lungs. Well, yeah, so I think he had four. He, yeah, and only one of them was working he, in the uh, playoff uh, final. <laughs> Honestly, it's unbelievable. Um, Can you remember that playoff final? Because he, he um, did he puncture his? I don't know. Oh, no, it was his toe he did it. It was his toe Yeah, that wouldn't have anything it, to do with his breathing. No, no, true. But, I mean, it would have stopped him running. And his lack of energy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Holtley signed, obviously he'd been in the army, so you got to be a fit boy to, to be in the army. Um, but he had a great engine. You know, and he'd be wasted in this day and age, I think, because, you know, you, you don't want Holtley just anchoring midfield because that's not his game. That's not his strength. His, his strength's up and down, box to box. Um, Hux has got an unbelievable engine. He's, he's a freak of nature. Hux can run any distance, whether it's a 50 yard sprint or a marathon. I guarantee you, Hux could do a marathon in two and a half hours. Wow. Honestly, he's. The, the, we, the should, man, we should the, try and get him to do that man, one day. The man is ridiculous. Um, so Holt, he was a proper engine in midfield, and that's what you want. He's the type of player you want in midfield. Um, I can remember playing with, um, his, and he's still a good friend, Kenny Jacket. Uh, Watford and Hux is a freak Kenny was a freak pre-season Kenny was the world's worst runner <laughs> honestly he'd be at the back for everything and they were those days were a little bit old school where you'd go on 30 mile runs and, and cross country runs and, and, and Graham Taylor was he was a big lover of like long distance running in pre-season and we used to go on this run in I think it was Castleby Park and it had three hills the first one was well, it was quite steep but quite short. So you run up and down that five times, and you carry on going along this golf course. You come to the second hill, which was wasn't as steep, steep, but was longer. You do that twice, and then just before the finish, you come to the last one, and that was really steep and really long. Wow! And Kenny was shocking, and Graham Taylor would insist that insist that no one walked. So what he used to do after we sort of start the cross country, he would walk to the last hill. He'd climb up one of the trees, <laughs> position himself perfectly to make sure that no one walked up. Because you know, if no one can see you, you're gonna. Because you'd, you'd get to a level, you think, "Oh, I'm nearly there," and then this hill would go again. It's a bit yeah. like Gas Hill. Yeah, it's a bit like Gas Hill. Obviously, Norwich people. In will Norwich, know what for, yeah, yeah. Um, and he used to hide at the tree, and, and, and Kenny was always at the back, and he'd be always running on the. On the he'd be always walking <laughs> on that last hill. But you put Kenny on a pitch, he would cover every, every blade of grass. So whether it was a mental thing with him, I don't think it was a physical thing. Yeah. With him, but he, his engine was mad. His engine was mad on on, on the pitch. Uh, so it's a tough one to choose between Halty and, and Kenny, but I think I probably would have to go for Kenny. Yeah, fair enough if he's doing that. What a great shout. I love that. Um, speed. Now, who's quickest? And bearing in mind, I mean, you, you know, I, it's fair to say you probably weren't the quickest <laughs> of, of all forwards in, in That's football. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. Of all, no, you know, no. Um, it was quick of mind, I'm sure, <laughs> and you know the burst. So, needed uh, the burst. <laughs> felt like bursting sometimes. <laughs> um, Julian Jotin was rapid when I when I was at Leicester. 
Um, and he was a young boy. Yeah. He, was, he was a young boy. Uh, he was 21, 22. He was on the verge of the England squad. He might have even got in the England squad, but Jockey, and he was only five foot six, but he was rapid. But then I, I moved to uh, I moved to Norwich and probably played with two of the quickest players I've ever ever set eyes on. Craig uh, Fleming, <laughs> Big Malky. <laughs> uh, well, Craig, Craig will say uh, he was quick. So for, yeah. for a centre, he thought he was quick. <laughs> and to be fair, I think he was. I think he Fleming was. for the centre half, I think he was, and that got him. And I think that's what made them such a good partnership in Malky, because obviously Fleming would would sweep things up at the back. Malky was the, the strong dominant one in the air. Um, and, and Flem had the pace to, to compete with, with quicker centre forwards. But the two that I think you'll know who they are, Bellas and, and Hux. Um, oh, and Darren Eady as well. Got us, I thought got, he might got get Darren Eady yeah, as well. Yeah. And the, the spell he had as, as a central striker, I mean, he was unplayable. Yeah, no, that I think was, it was the season before you joined, yeah, but he yeah. was unplayable yeah. as a central striker at that point. But, and rightly so. You know, how do you stop someone like that with that pace? It's, it's impossible. If you, if you provide the right service, um, and he's he's making those types of runs in between your two central defenders or down the side of those two centre halves. It's impossible to stop. And that's it. Bellas was rapid. I, I you know what? I'd love to see a race. I would yeah. love to, I would love to have seen a race between the three. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to go for 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 little jockey. Um, I'm going to go for one of the one of the three Norwich boys. Go on, say it. You know it. It's going to be Hux, isn't it? It's going to be Hux. And I mean, you, I, I, it must it must have been a joy for you to play alongside Hux, just it, because of what he did. I mean, okay. as you said, he's so committed, and you knew at 89th minute, 15th minute, he was still going to be um, covering okay. the and, ground. And I spoke to you about this before. Hux got as much pleasure in creating a goal as he did in scoring a goal. <coughs> great lad, great teammate. Um, he was the difference between us finishing in the top six. And, fin- and winning the league in 2004. As soon as he, w- I can remember the day he walked through the doors at Conley. We were out, out on the, the main pitch training. Nigel Worthington comes out the, the changing room. He's got Pete Crouch. He's got Kevin Harper, um, and he's got Hux. And as soon as we saw Hux, we thought we've got a proper chance now. And he talked about professional in the, in the way they prepare, they approach a game. I couldn't split him and him and Craig. Honestly, so disciplined, so. Did everything they needed to do to get themselves mentally and physically right for the game. I, I, I've never seen people so. What's the word? Not dedicated. Because I think we're all dedicated. Driven. Yeah, yeah. Focused and driven. Yeah. Do you remember when Darren first turned up in training? Can you, I mean, with. Hugs. There's probably yeah. There's probably a bit of pressure on it. Yeah. Um, it was a Thursday. We, we, I think we played about five or six games. I think, and then these three boys have have turned up, and I. Hux had been on Nottingham Forest the season before and I'd, I'd watched a couple of games I watched him when they played away at Gillingham and he absolutely tortured G- Gillingham and I think they won 3 or 4-1 I think he scored a couple created a couple and I, at the time I remember thinking I would love to play with this fella of course won the lottery when he's w- walked out that door with, and he was the difference Michael he was the difference um, we, we might have finished in the top six um, had Hux not been there would we have won the league? never what a man, what a man. And good friends now. Oh, know, and, you know, he's he's, he's a great lad, he's a great lad. He's keeping on going. Um, nicest, nicest man in football that you, you you played with. And why? What makes these guys nice? That's a good question. Who's nicest? Uh, nicest? That's a, that's, a, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. You always class uh, yourself as one of the nice um, guys? 
I, thought, I, I tried to be nice. I wasn't nice on the pitch. I wasn't nice. I, mean, I could be horrible so and so <laughs> on the pitch. Um, the lad I played with at, um, at Leicester, uh, he's now coaching at, where is he? Where's Steve Bruce? Where's Steve Bruce? And Newcastle, Newcastle United. Yeah. Steve Agnew. Mm. Um, lovely fella. Really, uh, lovely manner about him. And he's a Barnsley lad. Um, Yorkshire boy. But just never had a bad word to say about anybody. You know, got on well with everybody. Had, had, a, had a really nice manner about him. Uh, got uh, me and him got close uh, when when we played at Leicester together. I went, remember going up to to Barnsley for a night out with him. Um, not one How that, was I, that not one that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> not one of my better ones. But he was he was he was a really really just a, a, a good bloke. Do you know what I mean? Nice bloke, nice man. It must be so important in a dressing room when you have so many driven characters and and so many. I, I think in any dressing room we're all different, aren't we? You know, you've got some who are loud and can be obnoxious at times, and you've got the other quiet boys who just sit in the corner and, and watch it all develop and watch it all kick off at times. Um, and I think that's what that's what makes it what makes it great. One more tackler. And I guess the thing with this, you can always have the ones who are good at tackling, and then the ones who love to tackle. But you know, we tend to be going through people's knees. <laughs> Steve Walsh at Leicester would. Well, he would tackle anything, and similar similar battles he used to have with Stevie Bull. Honest, if you if you watched footage now, and I, I think they they both must have been sent off playing against each other three or four times. Honestly, hammer and tongs, mate. Honestly, anything went. Uh, but Walsh, he was hard as nails. Walsh, he was hard as nails. Tough, tough bloke. Um, he was all left-footed, but once you once you saw him lunging into a tackle, you know he, you knew that he was going to take clean everything out to, to get that ball whether it meant he went through a player then then so be it and he, he he had a few red cards in his time um, Mark Hazelwood with with Wales Mark Hazelwood um, you know, he's had his problems in recent years uh, but Hayes was a Hayes was a tough tackler Vinnie Jones <laughs> Vinnie Jones how can I forget Vinnie Jones uh, when he became Welsh all of a sudden didn't he uh, learned, <laughs> learned, learned the anthem to be fair to him I, I remember because um, I was good friends with Glyn Hodges um, from our Watford days and, and Arge knew, him, knew Vinny from Wimbledon and I think before he came into the Welsh dressing room he, he rang uh, Glyn up and said listen what do I do how do I approach walking into that dressing room for the first time do I go in as Vinny Jones all guns blazing or am I a little bit reserved a bit shy and, and, and Glyn went listen they all know you as Vinnie Jones you've just got to honestly he's booted the door open and he, oh 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 <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean but honestly I, he was someone that I got I hit off you know he, he is a larger than life character uh, some of the tackles that I've, I've I mean there's a tackle in the FA Cup final on Steve McMahon within about five seconds yes um that's the type of set play. the tone. Yeah, that definitely set the tone. And if you're going to put a tackle like that on one player playing for Liverpool, you go for the hardest man. You go, you know. I, I wish I'd played with someone like Graham Souness because oh, some of the tackles I've seen Souness, proper proper hard man. Do, with with these guys like with these guys like that in training as well. I mean, so I say, Steve no. Walsh you'd have been coming up against. No, no I think common sense comes into it. Um, don't get me wrong. Um, I think you get the odd bad challenge going in you know, if you've had a bit of a falling out with a player uh, and going back to Bellas because Bellas was quite quite chirpy a few of the challenges that, that were put in on him because he'd, he'd been a bit cocky he'd been a bit cheeky with some of the uh, senior pros then 
they would leave a little bit on him. And, you know, I'm a big believer. I, I remember Nigel Worthen saying he was manager. He was a big believer that you, you play off, you train like you play. You can't switch it on and off. Some players can. I, I couldn't. I had, to, I had to train like I played. Um, so, yeah, you, you get the odd tasty challenge going in and then it all kicks off, doesn't it? Just a bit. Um, good old training ground bust up. We love them. Um, who, who gets your tackling award then? Who are you def- definitively giving I'm it? I'm going to give it Vinnie Jones. Well done, I've got to. I've got to. I think we've come up with one hell of a player there, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't want to come up against them, but I definitely want them on my side. <laughs> a bit of everything. A bit of everything. Um, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Really mate. appreciate pleasure. it. And uh, take care of yourself. Thanks for the coffee. My pleasure. Thanks for being on time. <laughs> and a big thank you to Ewan Roberts for his time. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, that is it for On The Ball this week. Uh, we will be back as usual next week Um, I hope you enjoyed our interviews with Steve Morrison and Russell Martin um, and hopefully there's a clue in there in terms of who we will speak to next Monday all being well so make sure you keep an eye out for that in all your usual places remember the podcast is free to listen to on your podcast player of choice and if you listen to it via the app and are a subscriber then you do get to listen to the podcasts ad free Uh, so we will be back next week um, hopefully with Steve Sanders I think that's the plan we'll see you then in the meantime look after yourselves stay safe and uh, take care good night